What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Three of Donald Trump's attorneys met with special counsel Jack Smith and his team as they decide whether to charge him in the classified documents probe. Is it possible they're trying to plea bargain? Here's Glenn. So friends, as we remain on Trump indictment watch, there was an important development today. Donald Trump's criminal defense attorneys met with special counsel Jack Smith and his team to try to talk them out of indicting Donald Trump for his crimes. Here is the new reporting from the Washington Post. Headline, Trump lawyers ask Justice Department not to charge Trump in classified documents case. And that article begins, attorneys for Donald Trump went to the Justice Department on Monday morning to make their case that the government should not charge the former president in connection with his possession of classified documents after leaving office, according to people familiar with the matter. Trump lawyers Lindsey Halligan, John Rowley, and James Trusty spent about two hours at the Justice Department and left without speaking to reporters. They met with Justice Department personnel, including Special Counsel Jack Smith and a senior career official, but not Attorney General Merrick Garland or Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, said people familiar with the matter who, like others interviewed for this article, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss a closed-door proceeding. The Justice Department declined to comment. While it's not uncommon in high-profile cases for defense lawyers to get such a meeting with Justice Department officials toward the end of an investigation, Current and former officials say such presentations rarely change prosecutors' minds. Two Trump advisors briefed on Monday's meeting said they continue to believe Smith will finalize a charging decision in the coming weeks. The advisors said they are preparing for a potential indictment of the former president and the meeting did not change their expectations. So the reporting about this meeting conjures up a number of questions. Question number one, is this normal operating procedure? And the answer is sort of. In large scale, white collar crime type cases, when the prosecutors are investigating overtly, in other words, out in the open, they're subpoenaing lots of people, it's no secret that an investigation is being conducted. It's probably no secret who the target or targets of the investigation are. So when it's an overt investigation out in the open, it's not at all unusual to invite in 
the defense attorneys who are representing the target of the investigation to make a presentation. I'll talk more about what that presentation usually involves in a minute. But let's contrast that to when prosecutors are running covert operations, covert investigations, including in the grand jury. You know, sometimes we, and I'm a former career prosecutor, we would run investigations covertly. We would be quietly and secretly investigating crime because we didn't want to tip off the target of the investigation that we were running a grand jury investigation into a, a crime or into a conspiracy, into a criminal organization, because if you tipped off the bad guy or the bad guys, they may flee, they may destroy evidence, they may intimidate witnesses. So sometimes we will investigate covertly, we will quietly indict, then we'll get an arrest warrant. And the first thing anybody knows about an investigation is when the FBI comes banging on someone's door at 6 a.m. executing a search warrant, arresting them so they can be presented in court and arraigned on the indictment. Obviously, in covert investigations, the prosecutors aren't going to reach out to whoever it might be that's representing the target of that kind of an investigation and say, come on in because we think we may be indicting your client sometime soon. But in overt investigations, like the investigation of Donald Trump's classified documents crimes, where everybody knows he's being investigated, heck, everybody around Donald Trump has been subpoenaed, his own attorneys have testified against him in the grand jury, it's not unusual to have a meeting like this. So what does this meeting involve? What does it look like? I've participated in these meetings, and I'm going to talk about one specifically in a few minutes. So generally what happens at these meetings is the prosecutors are there to listen. Listen to what the criminal defense attorneys have to offer by way of exculpatory evidence. Evidence that might show that their client didn't commit any crimes. Sometimes defense attorneys have a smattering of exculpatory evidence. Evidence that might be helpful to the defendant's cause. We listen. We take that evidence, we assess it. They might also offer precedent, that is some sort of case law, some sort of appellate court opinions that relate to the charges that we're thinking about bringing, to the charges that we think are supported by the evidence. Maybe the defense attorneys have some legal arguments they want to make. We listen. Sometimes they will make policy arguments. And that's what I have a feeling Donald Trump's lawyers spent a lot of time doing when they met with Jack Smith and his team. They probably made policy arguments like, we need to heal the nation. We need to put all this ugliness behind us. America needs to move past Donald Trump. So we think you should give him a pass for the crimes you believe he committed. To which I would respond, you know what, we tried that in 1974 with Richard Nixon, didn't turn out so good. In fact, I have contended all along, friends, that you can draw a straight line from Richard Nixon being given a pass for his crimes to Donald Trump and his lawlessness while in office and after he left office, probably thinking he could do it all with impunity, get away with it just like Richard Nixon 
did. You know what, friends, in my 30 years as a prosecutor, I never once looked at a victim and said, you know how I think you can best heal? You know how you can move past what happened to you, what was done to you? It's if I decline to prosecute your attacker, your perpetrator. That's how you're going to heal. That is the opposite of justice. That, friends, is a perversion of justice. That's what we did with Richard Nixon, and I don't believe for a minute that's what Jack Smith or Merrick Garland will do with Donald Trump. But I suspect Donald Trump's attorneys made the we-have-to-heal-the-nation argument, so let's just give Donald Trump a pass. So that's question number two. What goes on in these meetings? That's sort of what goes on. Question number three, does any of this ever persuade a prosecutor to change his or her or their minds? Not in my experience. I guess it's not impossible. Perhaps uh, a prosecutor has changed their mind after a defense presentation. I never did in the cases that I was involved in that had meetings like this. And then the last question I want to take on is one that I've heard asked repeatedly over the course of the last 24 hours or so. People are asking, and I think people are rightly concerned, could this be a plea bargaining session? Could they be talking about possible pleas to resolve the case against Donald Trump? Like maybe Donald Trump would offer to plead guilty and promise not to run for office. Or maybe Donald Trump would offer to plead guilty if they would agree to a sentence of probation, no prison time. Or maybe Donald Trump would offer to plead guilty and to sweeten the pot, Donald Trump would say, you know what, I'll give you back the rest of the classified documents that I'm still unlawfully concealing from the federal government, because I'm quite sure he is. That would be like a offer to plead guilty with a smattering of extortion, holding the classified documents hostage in exchange for a sweetheart plea. So here's how I can best answer the question, might this have been a plea bargaining session or might pleas have been discussed? The answer is, I don't think that's the purpose of these meetings. However, I was in one of these meetings in a death eligible case, a case where the authorized punishment for the crimes that the defendant or the target of the investigation had committed included a possible death sentence, a death eligible case. And we were not there to talk about possible pleas. We were there to listen to whatever the defense had to present as we were trying to make the decision whether to indict death eligible charges. And the defense attorney just sort of threw on the table a plea offer. Well, my client is offering to plead guilty if, and then they proposed a, a certain sentence. So it was a meeting that was not intended or designed to be a meeting about possible guilty pleas or plea negotiations, but the defense attorney did throw a plea offer on the table and offer to plead guilty. Now, I will say that did not cause the meeting to morph into a discussion of guilty pleas or plea negotiations. We listened to what the defense team, the defense attorneys had to say, and we thanked them for their time and the information they provided. And then we 
took a step back and assessed. But I would say that these meetings are not designed to be plea bargain meetings, but you can't rule out that somehow, some way, pleas may have been discussed. I also do not happen to believe that this case will be resolved with a guilty plea. I don't think Donald Trump has it in him to plead guilty and accept responsibility for his crimes. Maybe I'm wrong about that, we'll see. But I think this case will be indicted and I think this case will go to trial. And once in trial, the evidence is extremely strong, in part because People may not know that every incriminating statement Donald Trump has made is admissible as evidence against him. It's a statement of a party opponent. But every exculpatory thing Donald Trump has said, I had every right to do it. I believed I had a right to do it. I believed they were declassified. The defense attorneys for Donald Trump are prohibited from introducing any of those statements of their client. So the rules of evidence are a one-sided proposition when it comes to statements of a defendant. The prosecution can introduce any and all incriminating statements, but the defense can introduce no exculpatory statements unless Donald Trump testifies. And I don't think there is a prosecutor alive who wouldn't give their right arm to cross-examine Donald Trump. I know I would. So let me finish with this. I doubt Jack Smith and his team were moved away from their conclusion that Donald Trump must be and will be indicted for their crimes. Based on the evidence, I have to believe that's the decision they have reached. I believe Merrick Garland will accept that recommendation from Jack Smith. I believe Donald Trump will be indicted. I believe he will be prosecuted. I believe he will be convicted. And I also happen to believe he will end up in prison. We'll talk about why I feel that way in future videos. But I do believe he will be punished for his crimes against the United States and we the people. Because justice matters. Coming up next, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has testified before the grand jury against his former boss. Did he plead the fifth? This is Justice Matters. Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I am loving the warmer weather and the sunnier skies. It makes you want to get out and move and get healthy. And you can help yourself get healthy and meet your wellness goals with no prep, no mess meals from Factormeals.com. There's a whole menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat in a well-balanced way. What's my favorite? I love the jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. So flavorful and healthy too. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Glenn50 and use code Glenn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's Glenn50 at Factormeals.com slash G-L-E-N-N-5-0 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factormeals.com slash Glenn50. Go there. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Mark Meadows testified to the grand jury in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation of his former boss, Donald Trump. Did prosecutors give him an immunity deal? Here's Glenn. So friends, there has been a huge development in the investigation into Donald Trump's crimes because we now know that Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, testified before special counsel Jack Smith's grand jury. Let's start with a new reporting. This from the New York Times. Headline, Mark Meadows testified to grand jury in special counsel investigation of Trump. And that article begins, Mark Meadows, the final White House chief of staff under President Donald Trump and a potentially key figure in inquiries related to Mr. Trump, has testified before a federal grand jury hearing evidence in the investigations being led by the special counsel's office, according to two people briefed on the matter. Mr. Meadows is a figure in both of the two distinct lines of inquiry being pursued by the special counsel appointed to oversee the Justice Department's scrutiny of Mr. Trump, Jack Smith. One inquiry is focused on Mr. Trump's efforts to cling to power after losing the 2020 election, culminating in the attack by a pro-Trump mob on the Capitol during congressional certification of the Electoral College results on January 6, 2021. The other is an investigation into Mr. Trump's handling of hundreds of classified documents after he left office and whether he obstructed efforts to retrieve them. It's not clear precisely when Mr. Meadows testified or if investigators questioned him about one or both of the cases. And friends, let me take a brief pause in the New York Times reporting because ABC News has some additional reporting that updates this New York Times story. Sources tell ABC News that Meadows answered questions on both Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election and Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents. So the ABC News reporting makes clear that Meadows testified about both investigations. Let's go back to the New York Times reporting. For months, people in Mr. Trump's orbit have been puzzled by and wary about the low profile kept by Mr. Meadows in the investigations. As reports surfaced of one witness after another going into the grand jury or to be interviewed by federal investigators, Mr. Meadows has kept largely out of sight, and some of Mr. Trump's advisors 
believe he could be a significant witness in the inquiries. Mr. Trump himself has, at times, asked aides about how Mr. Meadows is doing, according to a person familiar with the remarks. Now, friends, we've got a lot to unpack here, but let me start with this. When I read this New York Times reporting, the first thing that came to mind is some reporting from nearly a year ago now. This from Rolling Stone. Headline, Trump's lawyers think Mark Meadows is going down. And that article reads in part, Trump's inner circle increasingly views Meadows as a likely fall guy for the former president's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Members of Trump's legal team are actively planning certain strategies around Meadows' downfall, including possible criminal charges. Trump has himself begun the process of distancing himself from some of his one-time senior aide's alleged actions around January 6th. So nearly a year ago, Trump and his lawyers were looking to make Mark Meadows the fall guy, looking to have Meadows take the fall for Donald Trump and the crimes he, Trump, had committed. And all of a sudden, Mark Meadows makes himself scarce, goes off grid. So much so that even Donald Trump starts asking those around him, um, how's, uh, how's Mark? Haven't heard from him in a while. Well, that's not a surprise, sport, because you and your lawyers were trying to put the beef on him, put the blame on him, make him the fall guy for your crimes. And now we know Mark Meadows went into the grand jury and testified about both criminal investigations of Donald Trump, the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the insurrection, and Trump's classified documents, crimes. And friends, that is undoubtedly a great development. Why? Because Mark Meadows sat at the knee of the mob boss, Donald Trump, he can testify about where the bodies are buried. He has firsthand information and can give a firsthand account of the crimes committed by Donald Trump. But there is still one enormously consequential question that we don't have the answer to yet. In what capacity did Mark Meadows testify? Did he testify as a cooperating witness? or did he testify as an immunized witness? And those are two very different kinds of witnesses. So for this discussion, you might wanna sit back, get comfortable. We're gonna have to go to a, a Team Justice Law School class for just a few minutes because I wanna talk about the dramatic difference between cooperating witnesses and immunized witnesses. And I dealt with many of both kinds of witnesses in my 30 years as a federal prosecutor. So first of all, Mark Meadows has a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Why? Well, because we've seen so much reporting about how, for example, he was basically acting as, you know, the switchboard for treason central. Mark Meadows, how can I direct your treasonous call or text? Oh, Ginny Thomas? wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, you're saying that we need to have Donald Trump 
overthrow our democracy, change the results of the election so he can remain president, notwithstanding the vote of the American people. Gotcha. Let me pass on your message. We know he took tons of messages like that. We know he helped, he aided, he assisted, he facilitated Donald Trump in his crimes. We know based on the January 6th select committee hearings that he told his aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, look, Donald Trump knows his angry mob is attacking the Capitol and hunting for elected officials and threatening to hang Mike Pence. He doesn't think they're wrong because Mike Pence didn't corruptly throw him the election, so I'm not gonna try to stop any of it. I mean, those are just a couple of examples of the potential criminal exposure of Mark Meadows. Remember when he would meet with, I believe it was Representative Scott Pardon Me Perry, and after the meeting, or after the meetings, what would Meadows do? He would burn documents in his fireplace, inferentially destroying evidence, of criminality, on and on and on. So I think we can comfortably conclude, based on everything that's been reported, Mark Meadows has a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. What does that mean when you have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination? It means if you're subpoenaed to the grand jury, you can decline to answer questions. You can lawfully and constitutionally invoke that important right under the Fifth Amendment not to testify if your truthful testimony would tend to incriminate you. So Mark Meadows has a very good lawyer. And undoubtedly, when Meadows was presented to the grand jury by Jack Smith and his prosecutors, he would have pled the Fifth, invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. That gave special counsel Jack Smith a choice. What do I do to try to extract the testimony from Mark Meadows that I want to extract because it will help me prove the crimes of Donald Trump. Well, he had a couple of ways he could go with Meadows. One, he could charge Meadows with the crimes he committed. He could negotiate with Meadows' criminal defense team and have Meadows plead guilty, agree to cooperate fully and truthfully against everyone about whom he had incriminating information, and Meadows would have to agree to testify before both the grand jury and the trial jury. So he could have struck a plea agreement with cooperation, which would have morphed Mark Meadows into a cooperating witness. That is the preferred way to deal with people who commit crime, but you want or you need them to testify about the crimes of others to help you know, build your way up the criminal ladder and get the mob boss, the biggest criminal fish, Donald Trump. There's another way that Jack Smith could have gone with Mark Meadows. If you want to extract the testimony from Meadows, but he pleads the fifth, you can extinguish his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. You can overcome it by granting him immunity, by immunizing him and telling him nothing you say can be used against you because I am immunizing you against prosecution. You will not be prosecuted for your crimes, so now you must answer the questions before the grand jury that would incriminate yourself, technically, and Donald Trump. 
That is not the favored approach. And here's why I say that, friends. Because if you are giving a guy like Mark Meadows a pass, a former chief of staff among the highest government officials in our federal government, you give him a pass for his crimes, how credible will his testimony be about the crimes of Donald Trump? Here is how a defense attorney would cross-examine Mark Meadows if he testified under a grant of immunity, if he was given a pass for all of the crimes he committed. No accountability for those crimes. Defense attorney would ask Meadows, among other things, let's see, you committed obstruction of justice, you were involved in a conspiracy, you basically committed any number of crimes designed to end our democracy and install Donald Trump into the presidency for a second term unlawfully and unconstitutionally. And had you been convicted of those crimes, you would have died in prison decades and decades of potential jail time if you had been convicted. But that prosecutor sitting right there gave you a pass. That man is your best friend. He is your savior. He's your patron saint. He gave you a deal that meant you would never have to serve one minute of accountability, one minute of jail time for the crimes you committed, correct? And now you want the jury to believe anything out of your mouth that you say about the crimes of Donald Trump? You would say anything you have to say to please that prosecutor who is your patron saint, who kept you out of prison, who gave you a pass for all of your egregious crimes. That would be for openers. That would go on for hours and probably days on cross-examination of Mark Meadows if he was given immunity, if he was given a pass for his crimes. That is the disfavored approach of extracting information and evidence and testimony out of somebody who committed crimes. So the question becomes, which way did Jack Smith go to secure the testimony of Mark Meadows? Because as I say, Mark Meadows has to be either a cooperating witness or an immunized witness, because those are the two ways you can overcome his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. I'm quite sure Mark Meadows didn't just waltz into the grand jury footloose and fancy free without an immunity deal and without being a cooperating witness and say, yes, let me just tell you everything I know truthfully, honestly, accurately, and fully about my crimes and the crimes of Donald Trump. Doesn't work that way, friends. That's why we have defense attorneys, and it's a good thing the Sixth Amendment provides everybody with a right to effective counsel. That's the way it should be. So Jack Smith had to do something to overcome Mark Meadows' Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Here's the thing. Jack Smith, who was first the head of the public integrity section at the Department of Justice and whose team tried really challenging politically charged cases, and they won some and they lost some, give me a prosecutor who's not afraid to lose but is willing to take the difficult public corruption cases to trial, win, lose, or draw, because it's more important to try those cases than to win those cases, to serve as a deterrent to other corrupt politicians who might be contemplating committing crimes. Give me a prosecutor like that 
fearless, a real without fear or favor guy who's even willing to lose a case every now and then, that's the kind of person I want to jump into the prosecutorial foxhole with and fight the enemy, the enemy being the political criminals, the ruling class criminals, the corrupt politicians. And then he went to The Hague thereafter to prosecute war crimes and war criminals. He didn't go to private practice to you know, line his pockets. He went to The Hague. Those are some pretty good credentials and a demonstrable dedication to public service and the rule of law and to holding the ruling class criminals accountable. So if I had to bet $1, which is my betting limit, I'm not a high roller, if I had to bet a buck, I would bet that the way Jack Smith went was he negotiated a guilty plea under seal, so we don't know about it yet. It's appropriate to do that, keep it under seal until a later date after all the indictments have been returned against Trump and company. He may have pleaded guilty under seal, Mark Meadows, agreed to cooperate fully and truthfully against others, and in that capacity, he testified before the grand jury, and that's how you keep Mark Meadows' credibility high, so his testimony will be believable to a jury. There are other ways to make testimony believable. You have to corroborate it with all sorts of other evidence and information like text messages and emails and audio recordings and the testimony of others, right? The more corroboration you have of a witness, the more likely the jury is going to believe that witness. But again, I have to believe Jack Smith was not willing to give a criminal chief of staff to the President of the United States a pass, give him immunity so that he could secure his testimony. Remember Bob Halderman, Richard Nixon's chief of staff who committed crimes covering up the Watergate scandal? What happened to him? He went to trial. He was convicted of perjury and conspiracy and obstruction of justice and he went to prison. You know, rather than give Mark Meadows immunity, I would have far preferred that Jack Smith, if he wasn't going to give him a plea deal with cooperation, just take him to trial. Get him convicted. Do what the prosecutors did to Bob Haldeman, the last criminal chief of staff to a president of the United States. He was held accountable. He didn't get an immunity deal. But I have a feeling Jack Smith made the right call. I presume he made the right call. I wouldn't presume he made the wrong call. And I think we will know within the coming months precisely what status Mark Meadows was in when he appeared before the grand jury and testified about the crimes of Donald Trump. Because friends, we're getting there. It's coming. We're gonna see indictments probably sooner rather than later probably first for the classified documents crimes and then for the insurrection, we're getting there. Because justice matters. Friends, thank you for bearing with me through that long uh, Team Justice Law School class. I'm sure there will be many more long Team Justice Law School classes in our future as we move into this next phase, this important era in our history, in the life of our nation, which I am calling the Trump trials.
because that is what we will be discussing probably for the next two to three years, the Trump trials. And I, for one, will be here for all of it. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.